0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the 23rd episode of the Oligarchy Disruptor. And guess what guys, I have good news for you, Ashley's back. She's back from (laughs) vacation. Hey. (laughs) Okay, we're very happy to have you back, Ash. Uh, We missed you. So, um, and I'm sure you've uh, Mm -hmm. you've caught up to the debate that happened yesterday and we're, yes, a lot of shit that went down um but i, I covered <laughs> I covered a good amount of it uh on yesterday's episode if you guys didn't catch it uh definitely do so super good not just because it's me just saying <laughs> um but yeah I actually did uh go pretty deep in the commentary when it came to when it comes to that um the debate yesterday but today we also have a very interesting and stacked fucking episode for you guys so uh, we're gonna be uh, talking about coronavirus mainly, and a lot of the things that have to go along with that, because there's a lot of shit that's going on in the country at the same time as this coronavirus. It's kind of like a snowball effect that we're seeing uh, mm-hmm. along with this virus. Really, but we're gonna talk about coronavirus, uh, the candidates' stances on on that issue, what they want to do with healthcare, uh, and so on and so forth. We're also gonna talk about Republicans in Congress and what they're doing to actually stop the coronavirus um, relief package that is being currently pushed through Congress. We're also gonna talk about some solutions that, or financial solutions that the government and certain policymakers or lawmakers have proposed to kind of ease the the financial strain that most Americans face during this crisis, um, in which like some people are losing their jobs or whatnot, but we're going to talk about some solutions. We're going to talk about what the government actually did and what they should have done. And uh, we'll go into those differences. But like I said, we're going to start off with the coronavirus and the candidate specific stances on that. So with that, Ash, I will let you take it away.
1: Um, well, the beginning portion of the debate was pretty much dedicated com- solely to this Pandemic, that's been um, all over, pretty pretty much consuming the entire media. I guess <laughs> um, so. CNN was kind of gearing all of the questions at the beginning towards what the the candidate would do if there they were president now. Um, what Trump is doing wrong, um, steps that they would do day one as president if we're still dealing with this problem or to prevent a future problem like this. Um, And this is kind of crazy because I just felt like every single answer to the questions, though the questions were vastly different, every answer was basically the same thing. (laughs) Um, And they both answered very similarly as well. So... Um Bernie, of course, has always been Medicare for All, but he was kind of saying in this situation, you know, if um, though Medicare for All is kind of a pro- a, pro- a process, um, in situations like this states of national emergency, every single person should be able to go to a hospital and get, the care that they need completely for free, whether it's testing or treatment once they find out. Um, so that was like his big sell. And then um, Biden said the exact same thing. And he kept saying to go to his website because he has it all planned out on there exactly what he would do Um if it was him dealing with this coronavirus thing, he actually said that he has it on his website, which I have yet to look. But you I mean, know what that um, makes kinda, me wonder?
0: Like, just to see. That makes me wonder if like huh. his campaign or his like staffers told him like or just advised for him to, to tell him to say that. Like just go to my website so that he doesn't have the pressure on him to like actually explain the policies himself on the debate stage right next to Bernie Sanders. that could like pummel him if he says something that is not true. You know? you know,
1: I kind of thought that as well because he's been having all these, like, dementia-type moments. <laughs> so they don't want him to have to memorize all these plans. They're just like, hey, look, this is the plan that we've come up to after speaking with X, Y, and Z. And we're we're going to put this up on the website. Just say that we're putting it up on the website so he doesn't have to remember stuff to say. Um, But, yeah, so that was basically the whole... First 45 minutes, um, of the debate was talking about the coronavirus, and those were their answers. Were what they were both basically, um, which actually I did not know this. But in states of national emergency, there's obviously more funds become available. That's why the uh, uh, president declares one of you know one of these, but it doesn't still does not necessarily cover everything and um so both of them were saying that if they were president it would cover everything that they would be sure to that anything and everything that has to do with the pandemic would be covered um, but Bernie made a really good point. Also, is that that this is why we need Medicare for all because it's a, not just about people who um, have coronavirus, but it's about people who are being quarantined in their home because a neighbor has uh, coronavirus, or they're being sent home from work because oh, sorry, all dine-in restaurants are closing for two weeks, for four weeks. Um, I mean, if if they don't have paychecks, they're at home with their kids, their kid falls, they break their leg. What are, what are they, what the first thing they're thinking about is how am I going to pay for this? Um, I don't even have a paycheck coming to me. I know this week, I don't know if I'm going to have one next week Um, and they have to pay their rent at the end of the month. And so he really kind of brought the idea home that Medicare for all is something that is super, super serious. In times like this, because we want to be covered for whatever illness is is we're we're suffering, but we also want to be covered because we just don't have money coming in the door, and this is an economic crisis as well.
0: It definitely is. Um, like I mentioned earlier, that it's more of like a snowball effect that we're trying to, that we're starting to see where coronavirus is not only a, starting to affect like our travel. Uh, as it first started um, and our own health of course uh, and the international community but it also started affecting now our businesses now we're starting to see more public places close um, places like restaurants gyms i'm starting to see now uh, very public places that a lot of that a lot of people go to even doctors um, doctors offices i've seen closing um, a lot of those public places where people meet up and they um touch a lot of things uh together like that's what the government is trying to stop they're trying to practice social distancing and limit the amount of people that are uh, together at one point so that's why it was like so horrible like the other day i don't know if you saw it in the news but like at o'hare and like one other airport in the country uh, because of the the, scan, the scanning that they had to do for the coronavirus and making sure that the travelers didn't have it before they traveled wherever they went or when they were coming back home. Uh, the lines were absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if you saw those pictures, but yes, so busy. crazy so, crowd, So, so, mm-hmm. so busy. Like, I, I have never seen actually anything like that. But that just goes to show, like, the amount of, well. Like, testing that they're going they're putting into it and stuff you know and effort
1: yeah well and that's one thing that bernie had mentioned too is we're having a huge shortage of medical personnel and a huge shortage of um border or customs uh and 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 security at airports And it's not so much necessarily, you know, getting on getting on flights, but just getting back into the country. Um, Yeah, those pictures were insane. I could not even believe it. It's like, try try to avoid groups of over 250 people. That's like a thousand people just crowded in the airport.
0: I mean, Uh, I'm sure it wasn't just like a thousand people. Like, I'm sure that wasn't maybe that little spot, but I'm sure that was worth that yeah definitely oh that's
1: yeah exactly so, that's what i'm saying it's it is crazy. a time like
0: this where they don't want people to be together it's absolutely people yeah, <laughs> insane i think uh actually our governor governor pritzker um tweeted at the president or said something on social media was like or to the federal government like get your shit together like he actually and uh, said those words um so very cool i uh, I'm actually surprised with how good um, a governor that JB Pritzker has turned out to be. People are actually—I uh, don't know if you yeah, saw that, that petition that's going around. I saw it on my social media pages with friends sharing it. But uh, there's a petition going around to to Governor Pritzker, uh, telling him to stop uh, or like put temporary like pauses on the payments for people's mortgages, rent, utility bills, all those like reoccurring yes. mm-hmm. like. Uh, status uh, payments that people make every month. So I think that's pretty cool, and we see that in Italy. Italy actually did those those changes, and their people saw a, a, an immense amount of relief due to those issues. But what do we do in the U.S.? Which we'll yeah. tag. Uh, we'll, we will talk about a little later. Hmm. What we do in the U.S. is healthcare isn't free, buddy. So we gotta nut up or shut up, and. Um, what I mean by that is uh, we got to pay. We got to pay up to the to the government, to um, the hospitals, to the insurance companies. We got to do our part there. At least that's the way Americans see it. Um, but what I mean is that uh, the way that um, the American uh, or the feds have tried to address this side of coronavirus, uh, what I mean by that is like the relief side is... Uh, they decided to give away initially $1.5 trillion and pump it into the economy. One is a bail to the banks um, so that they could ease the tensions of their investors um, and the people on Wall Street, which is, uh, as we know, the pinnacle of power in this country and uh, the real power holders over um, the way our democracy works. Um But since then, uh, the government has announced new forms of liquidity for the market to still get those subsidies. Um, They have added another $1 trillion since that time. They added on initially $700 billion stimulus into the economy once again. Then they did it another time, adding another $500 billion. So total $2.5 trillion. And where did this money come from? nowhere that's the cool thing right so like after 1971 when president nixon took us off the gold standard and took the the gold that backed our money before that now we have a currency that's basically held up by the price of oil um and we maintain that price by military dominance throughout the world and um we are also seeing that because of that, our it is very fragile. Uh, the price of our dollar is very fragile and by doing, by cause, by giving all this money to the banks and just printing it out of thin air, which is literally what they're doing, they are stealing from the American people. They are stealing from us because they are devaluing the, mon- the amount of money that we have it's in our bit, own bank accounts yeah. in our pockets. So the government, whether... Um, it's Republican or Democrat, like how it is right now with Trump being in there and his, uh, his federal government and his administration taking charge and taking the same actions that we we also saw in 2008 with Barack Obama, which is, of course, a Democrat in his administration. And the Fed also did the same thing by pumping in, even though it was less. Uh, TARP, the TARP program put in, uh, I believe it was over 700 Seven hundred and fifty billion dollars to bail out the banks, and this time we did it more—more more than double, or actually double, double that. So, um, very interesting to see how, regardless of whether or not it's a corporate Democrat or a shitty fucking television Republican like Donald Trump, um, we're still getting the same outcomes. We're still seeing the same results. It's not changing from one party to the other, and that's why the shit has got to change. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, and it's just really crazy to me that there—you can so clearly see the priorities that are that this administration has, and they're clearly jumbled. <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand how you can. Um, make a point for bailing out these companies, but then, and I know we're going to talk about this a little later, it, the, do they have a hard time passing through this bill that's going to provide relief for working class families from this coronavirus? Um, it's just like really, I don't know, so apparent. I don't know how, uh, how people cannot see how apparent it is that our priorities are messed up here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to actually mention, let's start talking about, um, well, first off, let's mention the fact that a Congress has been working or at least the House started a relief package for the coronavirus for like in a financial aspect for the American people so yes great news right uh they they got started on it right away um plenty policy actually started calling people into congress at, to work over in the, uh, around midnight so they were hard at work in the house trying to get this um, relief package done for the american people um, but regardless of the fact uh, whether or not they did that fast or not as soon as they went to the senate uh, mcconnell's mitch McConnell senate uh, which is a Republican and Republican dominated they they started shutting all of those initiatives down in which they were meant to like help everyday ordinary people you know so uh, Mm -hmm. like if we're starting to like politicize the coronavirus like where does it end you know like they politicized Uh, the climate change, which is science-based. They're starting to politicize this, a coronavirus. A virus, which is once again science-based. So like... Where where is this ending? Like they're doing the same thing with like all these like hot topics, like gun rights. Like they're going to like fundamentals of like religion and like all this shit. So like we're op- we're operating on like
1: when they're statistics. It doesn't make sense.
0: It doesn't make fucking yeah. sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And I hope you guys are starting to see what we're trying to like paint for you that they like Republicans in general. I'm not saying that all of them or, like, all Democrats are good or saints and, like, they do everything right. Of course they don't. Uh, You guys know more than anything that I talk hella shit about Democrats. Hella shit. (laughs) Um, And I will talk shit as long as they keep fucking up and not doing what the people actually want them to do. Same thing with Republicans. But go ahead. Whatever you're going to say.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I was just going to talk about this bill. I mean, um... It's for for people who w- want to know <clears throat> what it's called or whatever. It's HR six two zero one, and it's basically um, I think it's actually called the Family's First Coronavirus Response Act. So the hashtag Family First was also trending a few days ago with this, but um, it basically lays out um, plans for people who are receiving funds, federal funds from like WIC or um, SNAP, stuff like that, for them to continue to receive those um, funds and to uh, possibly expand the amount of money from emergency spending so that they could maybe get more um, on their link cards or what have you. But it also really is about providing paid sick leave. To anybody who is going to need a a testing for coronavirus, someone who has coronavirus, um, for people who are being um,
0: uh,
1: laid off, or for people who aren't going to who don't have any really job security these next couple weeks, Um, so it's honestly the only the only bill that really kind of encompasses all the majority of people um it's the so you know the people who are receiving federal assistance but also people who have been affected by the coronavirus by like being sick themselves or people who are just being affected because they're not able to go to work um but that i know you said though bennett Somebody had said something about it only really protecting or covering 20%... Per- per- That's correct. What did you say?
0: Um, it only covers 20% of workers.
1: Mm-hmm. Crazy. So it really makes me... I mean, this is the what I'm looking at is just like a, an outline of the bill. So obviously there's a lot <laughs> in between the cracks here that you can't see. Um, so maybe, yeah, it's not like every person who is being laid off during this time, I'm, I really would not be surprised if it's not going to include like restaurant workers, um, hair, you know, hair, hairdressers, um, bartenders. I, I highly doubt that that's what they're talking about here, but I think that they're probably um, considering like union members um, and um, healthcare workers I would hope, you know, if they get sick or whatever and have to <laughs> from doing their job, I'm hoping that they would be covered. Um, but yeah, I think it's good that they're considering expanding social welfare money um, because that's definitely something that I think a lot of people are really good. This this is one of those times where you're supposed to be able to rely on your government to take swift action and provide for you. I mean, if if we can't do that for our, our citizens, I mean, how autonomous
0: is our country? Like really? it's fucked up because like <laughs> you mentioned earlier uh, in wanting to talk about um, the $2.5 trillion uh, bailout is that we see case in point, the priorities of the people in power, you know? Like we yeah. see that... We, we, they've heard us struggling. They've seen our struggles over the past few decades. And they've been telling us how many times we heard from them. How much is that going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? All this shit. But look, as soon as the banks call them, as soon as the banks need them to bail them out, as soon as the private sector They're is failing right there. and incapable of doing it mm-hmm. on their own, who helps them? The government. And the Republicans That's in government crazy. have no... They don't give any fucks about it. They will tell you that they're uh, straight to your face, that uh, they're fiscal conservatives, but look at them now. Look at them fucking now. Spending more than the Obama administration spent in the last eight years of his presidency, up until this point. And he has not even fucking done yet. So we'll...
1: Which is hilarious because that's something that Trump ran on was the fact that Obama do- pulled us into the biggest deficit that we've that we've been in, and it's like I mean not that I'm coming to the defense of the Obama administration on that I'm not, but it's this is really honestly kind of a karma moment if I can just gloat for a second about the economy tanking and Trump running strictly on the economy doing well um but I mean it's funny because he wanted to say so much about Obama and then now look at him
0: I know it's it's really interesting but he gave himself a 10 out of 10 on his response to the coronavirus so I mean like he's doing a great job guys he's doing a great job oh of course he got he gave himself an A but I mean. Now let's talk about the different types of relief packages that they're trying to do. Now, of course, we've talked at length about the $2.5 trillion bailout that the government is trying to uh, do for the banks and stuff. Uh, On top of that, they're providing money for the states to provide uh, medical services, testing, all this shit for their, their citizens. Uh, that live in those states. So on top of all that other spending that they're doing with with their economy, they're putting even more due to coronavirus. Uh, and it's specific, uh, like, a- as a health concern. So uh, this is directly for the people. So do you see the amount of difference? Like, they're putting $50 billion for, like, the states to have money to, like, combat coronavirus as a health uh, crisis compared to 2.5 trillion dollars for uh the banks uh and like the ambassadors and like all that all that shit like it's crazy to see and like once again that just goes to show you their that's what i'm saying priorities yeah their priorities basically um but aside from that uh we have another form of relief that we've starting to see candidates in the last like week or so starting on the democratic side more so than not Um, It started with Andrew Yang really, it was his, uh, he ran on this policy which is Universal Basic Income or UBI and when UBI is in the way he wanted it to be was to give every American a thousand dollars a month, uh, no strings attached because the argument, what the concept of it was, was uh, that no one knows how to spend your money better than you do, you know. So that was the intention behind it. It's meant to stimulate growth, stimulate the economy, um, jobs, and give you an infinite amount of, uh, an infinite amount of options to do um, with your family, friends. You can pull your money together. A lot of cool shit that comes with UBI. But moving away from Andrew Yang, cur- after he dropped out, c- current candidates that are still in and then uh, parts of the, the political establishment um, we see cases of um, Tulsi Gabbard taking on UBI and wanting to give it to the people that have been affected by coronavirus by giving them, once again, $1,000 a month to change their situations and provide some yeah. relief to those families. Actually, uh, what's really surprising is Mitt Romney has also come on and signed uh, onto this, uh, this deal Republican, of course, he himself is not only a Republican, but a Mormon, and the the Republican nominee in twenty and um, what was it, twenty twelve? Yeah, he was a Republican nominee before Donald Trump in twenty sixteen. So very interesting hmm. to see the former the former nominee.
1: Like such bipartisan. Form, apart. Absolutely. But
0: the former Support. nominee of the Republican Party, that is very important, very important that he uh, decided to come on to this. And it, like that, that's really cool. And at least what I think another example of a Republican coming on in the bipartisanship that's starting to happen around UBI is um, Tom Cotton. I believe he's a representative Um, and he has also backed UBI uh, for the American people during this crisis because I think they see that not too many other options can give you can give immediate relief to uh, families like obviously $1,000 for an entire family is not enough but if everybody over the age of 18 let's say it's a house of four uh, they have like one little kid and like one 18-year-old and two parents, right? In that case, little kid is not old enough to, to get the UBI, but those three adults are. Everybody over 18. So, that's $3,000 a month for their, uh, for that one month. Imagine what that could do for their, their bills. I, I don't know too many people who, who their mortgage yeah. with $3,000 doesn't cover uh, a good amount of that. So... I imagine what that could do across the entire um, political spectrum, not only like within politics, but everybody, every citizen that's over 18 at large. So I think it's very interesting that these candidates and uh, political establishment elites are starting to sign on to this. And I think this is a sign that the country and both parties are moving in a more progressive direction or more populist direction, I should say because of the, the, the rights uh, stance on that. But I think we're moving in the right direction, and I think people are starting to get more comfortable with it, including most American people, because about half of Americans, as it stands now, support universal basic income.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you had mentioned um, other, you know, having the bipartisan, you know, um, but people of both aisle supporting this. I know Mitt Romney ha- has been public about also supporting this. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me that with the bipartisan support, there's not more of a push for this to be um, on the floor. Cause I don't believe that there has been anything on, con- on the floor of the house or the Senate regarding UBI. Uh, Yeah,
0: this this does not have enough support yet. Uh, This is uh, more so people like candidates. But it does. It has the American support, but it does not have the support of the political establishment and the wealthy and powerful, which is, as we know, ultimately what matters and how shit gets passed and done in this country.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I would think that this it, it sounds like a very extreme measure, but it, it also this is an extreme situation, and I get why people are maybe hesitant to do it in to implement this as an actual, um, you know, federal policy. But in a time of national emergency, maybe this could be. A it really might sound good crazy idea. to
0: most people, you know, and like giving away just money like that but like
1: i mean i don't necessarily think it is i'm just saying like i i under i understand why there's hesitation for it but in the time of national emergency when you have literally probably going to be millions of people not working I think that calls for some sort of financial assistance for those people.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think the part of it that says that there's no strings attached, you can spend whatever you want, however you want. And the possibility that you can literally do like what I told you with like grouping your money together with other people that um, that receive the same um, stipend from the government to be able to pull that money together mm-hmm. and start working towards certain goals that that is freedom that is options. That's actually why Andrew Yang called it the freedom dividend because it enables people to get more freedom, more out of the money that they are in, in, in the case that he wanted uh, given as a human right, not a human right and as an American right. so, Mm -hmm. um i think the potential for ubi to not only help with coronavirus but extend longer than that i think that if americans get a taste of it during coronavirus they're not going to want to let it go um if that's the case which i don't think it will be especially with all the the spending that's going on into the market and on the banks and on wall street i don't think That I mean, we're already seeing, like, with the little money that they're trying to get through to Congress, that the Republicans are already stopping it in the Senate. So, like, we're seeing where their priorities are. We're seeing where their head's at. And it's not with the fact. It's not with the people. And it's not... It's not all together as a country. We're not one right now.
1: Yeah. What do you think about... um... We haven't talked about this, but what do you think about just a national quarantine where everybody just stays in their house for two weeks and we just literally shut things down for two weeks?
0: Um, I think in general, like social distancing will do the, what needs to be done. Like that's what China did, you know, like China's China's police forces literally went into the houses of these people where they were hiding with coronavirus. Where they were hiding with coronavirus, and they would literally drag them out of their houses and take them into like hospitals or wherever they needed to go. Um, But even though China, like as you know, like a communist country would never want to do that shit here, of course, but they got they reduced their numbers very fast from being the epicenter to starting to dwindle their numbers. Um, It's because of the speed that the government acted, the amount of money they put into it, and the amount of effort that the government put in to solve this problem even though even though yeah, the are a this country even though all this shit um, they still did it better than most countries look at Italy Italy actually had um,
1: yeah
0: Italy something actually clearly had, <laughs> um, or has the second best healthcare system in the world second only to France and look what happened to them They were extremely unprepared. We are at this point where they were two weeks ago. So this is a critical time in our nation, whether or not we're gonna continue on in this trajectory and end up where Italy is now at about like 2000, 2000 deaths I believe they're at now. Um, And I think they have like 50,000 cases or something. that, that might be, that, that number might be off. But the point is that they're still worse off than we are right now. Obviously, they've had it longer, but we have a choice. And this is a critical moment right now where we either go forward like them or we try to solve it as efficiently as possible. Like in the example of South Korea, where they made those drive throughs that we're starting to take those ideas and implement them here. So... Ideas like that, yeah. those are good. Um, well, but what, for the, as it, Let me answer the question really quick uh, for the entire nation. I think it would be good if it got to the extent where most people got affected. Like, let's say we we're talking two weeks in advance and way more people have become affected and we're starting to look more like Italy in that sense. Then I'd be like, hell yeah, like, let's do it. Like, because... If the curb is too high, then infection is going to get too high, and that's not a a good thing, of course. Um, So I think right now, as it stands, I think people should just practice social distancing, doing everything that the government says to do when it relates to this. But if it gets worse than this, significantly worse, then I think those additional steps where national quarantining has to be considered. And...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that we should wait, though, until the the majority of us are sick or a lot of people are sick. I feel like that's the whole reason why we do it, so that a lot of people don't get sick. If it's only two weeks, if you really think about the – if you weigh the pros and cons of doing that, obviously there are a lot of disadvantages to closing down the country for two weeks. But – um, waiting until over a hundred thousand people are infected, 300,000 people are infected. I mean, I think that's like, and then at what point is it two weeks becoming three weeks? It's well, it's not necessarily based on
0: the time. I just use that as an example because two weeks ago, uh, we are where Italy was, and in, so presently,
1: no, no, I'm saying like how long.
0: Like oh, you if mean we wait
1: until we have all yes. more? Yeah, who's to say the quarantine is it going to be longer, which would have been even more drastic effects on uh,
0: exactly right. The US to so that's why, million? like, I think the government is doing it right as they are <clears throat> right now, and not demanding that quarant- that national quarantine. I think that's a good thing because we haven't really gotten to the point as a nation where like it's that that bad um but i feel like if people can't demonstrate that they're capable of doing so and people are actually starting to get infected like i said before then i think that the quarantine should be in effect but i don't think that the government should scare people and want people to be at home and do that like i get it out of out of the safety and you don't and it's more of like a preventative measure but like i think that should be one of the very last things that people should do like when was the last time you ever heard of like america doing this at all like the and then like most people like fucking i was reading earlier today that um like most republicans like six in ten republicans don't even believe this while six in ten republican or six in ten democrats are on the opposite side where they're completely listening to whatever the government says and the republicans are taking their like cues from the like the conservative media and they're not really like heeding these warnings they're basically saying it's bullshit and then like it's not real like stop overreacting like all that like tough guy hard shit um once again ignoring the facts ignoring the science um sticking true to who they are as a party <laughs> uh, in, in this case at least but very very sad to see uh what they're doing um and how they're reacting to this because they're not really being te- team players once again Uh, and it goes outside of their policies Um, we know that Republicans tend to be more individualistic and not care about others as much um, on a psychological standpoint but now this is even being reflected in uh, in their actual like uh, actions or or behaviors on uh, on the population like all the, the masses is what I mean. Um, on top of the political establishment that runs them. Or, not runs them, but tells them what to do, basically.
1: Yeah, I just think that it's... Um, I don't know. I don't even really know what to say about this anymore. because it's it's, It just has really... I, it's so obvious now how messed up our priorities are and I'm just hoping that everybody us laying it out like this and talking about it so in depth will really make people think about this and really make people double take um, who they're considering voting for in the pr- in the primary um, because as much as a... Biden, as, as much as Biden has experience in the White House, um, Bernie's policies are the policies that are going to push our country forward and put, uh, put us in a better situation to handle a situation like this in the future. Um, and put us in a situation where we really wouldn't, need to be bailing out these big companies. We could really focus on the, the effect this is having on working class families. We would have people not concerned about, um, can I go to the hospital or will I be deported or can I go to the hospital because can I afford it? Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I know that this whole coronavirus thing is obviously not a good thing, but I'm happy that it maybe is changing some voters' minds.
0: I mean, we'll see. We'll see when people start voting again. I personally don't think if after 2008 they didn't learn the lesson, I don't think they're going to learn the lesson again. I think the trajectory as it stands now shows that Joe Biden is actually going to win and take this thing. I hate to say it. I I think he's actually going (laughs) to... I think he's actually going... I know. uh, I mean, I don't want that, of course. But I think that's what's going to end up happening. And this is just based on the American voter. My understanding of the American voter. And how they, time after time, vote against their own interests. And... um, and especially, it's not just the Democratic voter, which is pretty yeah. misinformed. Very misinformed in some cases, uh, because their media outlets are MSNBC, CNN, all those like really bad places that, as we know, lie a lot. And um, there is the opposite side, where they're completely taking all their shit from, like, Fox News and Breitbart and, like, where does that end (laughs) (laughs) oh whatever Um, so uh, with uh, just something that I wanted to mention really quick before we end the episode is something is a quote that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said uh, that's since become very famous in the fight uh, against inequality income and wealth inequality so he said and I quote there is Mm -hmm. socialism for the rich And rugged individualism for the poor. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up as the last thing we talk about in this episode is because MLK's quote is like, we see this case in point in what happened uh, yesterday or or very recently with all this money being poured um, to save the banks, to save these financial institutions. And that is literally (laughs) like a form of socialism. Like, if you ever see a... If you ever see some Republican or some conservative or whatever... Um, calling out UBI for being socialist... You can laugh in their fucking face. And
1: retweet that article. You can
0: laugh in their fucking face. And... Re, uh, exactly. Tell them about the 2.5 trillion in uh, 2020. Tell them about 700 million of our program in 2008. Um... There is socialism for the rich and we see this time and time again. We see this in the case of taxes. Who pays less taxes than everybody else? Who gets the most benefits? It's the rich, wealthy, and the powerful. Who pays the most? Us, the working class. Who pays for the, the giving away of all these dollars to the, the corporations and the financial institutions? Who pays for that? Huh. the government Yeah. <laughs> they get their money from us the taxpayer pays this this goes on to that 2.5 trillion plus everything that we're spending now and continue to spend that's all going on the credit card baby that's which is just devaluing our money and causing inflation and it's just going to become like even worse um So I hope you guys have woken up a little bit from this episode and starting to see more night and day that these institutions, political institutions, media institutions, financial institutions, um, on a fundamental level, work together as a system against the working people to suppress or to oppress us and to keep us in line. And we see this even when the candidates themselves drop out and endorse another candidate. They are protecting themselves when they do that. Yeah. They're protecting their own power, exactly. their own influence. They don't want a threat like Bernie. They don't want the movement that he brings with him. They don't want those millions of people. They might be called the Democratic Party, but they are nothing. there's nothing democratic about them. shit that was dope (laughs) okay so we will wrap it up there guys thanks again so much for listening if you got any kind of value out of this episode I very much implore you to uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and write that review that five star review Um, we would very much appreciate it Um, also uh, voting is super important guys (laughs) I will let Ashley the queen of voting talk to you about it uh, but voting's coming up, and as we know, there is a lot on the line. So let's show them who's the boss. people's got the who's power. Who's got the power.
1: That's who's got the power, Bennett. Um, so <laughs> people's, let's vote, please. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday, um, St. Patrick's Day, it's voting for a lot of people. Illinoisans, you are one of those people. Um, Ohio, though, I actually did get a notification um, while we were recording that they are closing their polls I believe tomorrow they're going to reschedule their primary so maybe double check if your area is still doing your state is still doing the primary Um, Illinois is so far from what I've heard Um, so if you do not know where your polling place is you can ease Uh uh-huh
0: oh really quick really quick sorry I was just gonna tell them the, the states that are voting um, so uh, if you are in one of these states, that is the state of Arizona, Florida, Illinois, Ohio. That is tomorrow.
1: Wonderful. Make yes. sure you vote, guys. Um, and if you do not know your polling place, um, it's a super easy website, yourfuckingpollingplace.com. You type in your address, press OK. Um, Super simple website. Only thing that shows up is your polling place and the time that it is open tomorrow um, or whatever day is your primary voting day. Um, If you have any questions like when is your voting day or... Um, what your ballot looks like, um, or any kind of registration status, any kind of question regarding voting, you can go to rockthevote.org. And, yeah, they have everything there for you. Any questions you might have, you can even print out a sample ballot and take it with you. You can copy your answers right onto your real ballot sheet at the ballot box. Um, But What's important is just make sure you guys vote, you guys. Whoever you vote for, just vote take part in that political process
0: yeah okay alrighty and uh, also guys I wanted to mention to you give us a follow on our social media pages follow us on Facebook you can find us at the Oliarchy Disruptor podcast you can also find us on Twitter Uh, find me at Ben the Disruptor and Ashley A-S-H
1: the Disruptor
0: Perfect. And with that, guys, um, I will end it here. So, once again, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see Wonderful. you next time. Mm-hmm. Take care.